Wait a minute, you're recording. What were you saying? <laughs> um, yes, these lights behind us. It was a really good piece of advice from Fraser, who's a friend of mine who works in uh, lighting for movies and TV. For, for people who are in the dark. Yeah. Mm. Um, he it said, helps. use lights. It helps um, pop you out from the background. Yeah. Otherwise, you just kind of like a black shirt, the black chair, the black background. You you just mixed in that light behind you. Actually, gives you a little bit of lighting, like a sort of halo lighting around the back of your head and over your shoulders. Helps you pop out. It's um, if I switch to you, yeah, we might see a little, a little quite bit. a lot of um, technique in lighting people for photography and video. Like they're saying that uh, there is sort of three quarter, like mostly face on, but a bit of side on. Gives you a much more luxuriant look for, for portraits. Well, one of the things I'm looking at doing is perhaps replacing these high-quality bin lights that I've got here with a ball light. Could you make them better than that? I don't – you'd struggle to get better quality than that. Mm. But for the, our viewers who can't see them, one day I'll show them. But, again, Fraser was saying what would be really good if, if you actually have a round ball light here, the – the nature of the shape of the light that's emitting the light, the ball shape, spherical shape, wraps the light nicely around a person's face and mm. gives you good lighting of the face. Diffusion is the is the key, I think, for lighting. The um, Warren Miller had a uh, he had a film made about the life of Warren Miller. You know how Warren Miller does like a ski, ski porn. film, yeah, ski yeah. porn every year. So he, he's done one of those about his life, and they filmed oh. it in his house. Like he was eighty. No, more than that, 90 or something when it was filmed, um, near death. He died about six months later. Um, and so they, they Was just, it the film? Yeah. yeah. It was the film that killed him. No, was, they just they, they, they took the moment before he shoveled off. And, and so they didn't have much kit. They filmed it in his house. And they just created this light box, which was basically just like a big square box with translucent paper over the front of yeah. it and a big LED behind it. And they just put it off at 45 degrees and he looked... Amazing. LEDs and a bit of baking paper. Yeah. It's surprising what you can get out of that. Just it just diffuses oh. your light nicely. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was thing. Like uh, in old days with photography, you know, they'd use flash bulbs and um, you'd you'd store up like all the power you could get in the big lithium ion battery, and you could shoot you know four frames a second for about a minute, and then the thing would be flat. LEDs. You're like fuck it. I'll just turn on. Four million candle power for twelve hours. I'll go to the go on, to the on pub, a nine volt battery. Nine volt battery. Come back later. Yeah. Did you see the video of the guy in the UK who made the world's brightest light? No. Oh, this is why I need a producer so we can just show this. There's this great footage. It's like he, he mounted a camera in his backyard. It's like a little tiny, you know, like maybe it's. 15 feet across his backyard at the back of a little house and he's got a couple of cameras set out there and he's built himself the world's biggest light globe and he turns this thing on and from outside his backyard it's night time and suddenly the whole like neighborhood just starts to glow it just goes <laughs> like what the the neighbors would have honestly been like doing the dishes and thinking fuck if they bombed us like what's going is this a nuclear blast just goes <laughs> Insane. I don't know how many candle watts of power it was, but he did it just as the LEDs laugh. are nuts. Like I, LED, I bought but... what's called a beer can um, flashlight. So there's a whole whole range of different sizes of, of LED flashlights for, for the for the for the dark fairing. 
Um, and the, the beer can flashlight is basically about the size of a beer can and they use a certain type of um, lithium ion battery. And this thing's got about a three or 400 meter range. And it's like, it's you, couldn't, you can't hold your fingers on it when it's, it's hot because it's so hot. And it'll burn like that for, for like 45 minutes. You remember we used to, you know, we get a torch as a kid and yeah. shove, shove it full of D-cells and it would weigh eight kilos and three minutes later... Good as a kosh. It'd be flat. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> this thing's just like... <laughs> and that's, that's not even like half of what you could achieve. I know. They're nuts. It's amazing, isn't it, the way technology has... The way it advances, like... You think what really changed from when we were 15 years old with torches to now you have these torches to turn them on and like trees, a football field away are lit up mm. and you know, helicopters are like brightly lit up because you've got a flashlight on them. It's like, how, why can we do that 15 years ago or 20 years well, ago? In the past, it was always about some kind of limit of what was available. It was a limit of processing power. It was a limit of, of transfer of electric power into 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 light or into sound or into something else and a combination of much better batteries and much better other technology like you were on one of your previous podcasts you were talking about ai um you know and how initially you used to send the computer the instructions of how the game was played and, and then you'd have it try and work out what was best and then now they just go oh, we won't bother sending you the instructions you can just watch four thousand games yeah. you figure out from there yeah that's, well, that is true. That is processing power has increased because the idea of those neural networks have been around since, well, probably from the 60s, but at least I know from the 90s they were around, but they were struggling then with processing power to be able to actually make them effective. Theoretically, they're like, this should work, but... We did a, a, I remember we did a tender for high-performance computing for one of the Crown Research Agencies, and halfway through the tender, the next Intel chip generation became available. And it was it was twenty five or thirty percent more processing chunks per second than the previous jet. And they put one of those out about every nine months. So if you're buying a computer five years on from when you last bought a computer, it's going to be one hundred and fifty, two hundred percent faster, miles and miles ahead. And all you do is just go here, have a look at this, because like one of the, it, it, you sort of touched on this, but um, the chess, the automated chess uh, computers now. Are uh, are doing things that they never expected to see a, a robotic chess player play. So they were saying, like, if you if you have a, if a situation where you know you move your bishop to threaten their bishop, and then they move their bishop back, and you go, okay, well I'll move my bishop back, and I'll threaten your bishop. Now a human might might try that back and forth once or twice, but then they go, oh, hang on, we're in the stalemate. There's no point doing this. And the the but the computer chess player um, recently was like no, and they did this something like five times, and that's now changed the way that humans play chess because they go well maybe it's okay to taunt well, my a, opponent. This <laughs> is the thing that's different the uh, the the personality of the AI. N mm. Not that they built a personality, but the fact that it does something like that as a human, we go. Fuck, he's bold or he's brave, you know, because he's doing that. Well, no, it's not just logically, maybe that's what it suggests it does. It's like, mm. well, I haven't lost any ground by doing this. I'll keep doing this. Okay, I'm still, this is my best, still my best mm. chance of winning. And you're like, fuck, he's never going to give up. This guy's insane. Okay, I give up. <laughs> because that that's something to be considered. You and I playing chess, you know, I might be having a good day. You might be having a bad day. Or you're someone I haven't met before. And I, and I think from the look of you, oh, he turns up in a big suit. He's a tall guy. Fuck, he's more, he's better at me than chess. Maybe you're not. The computer doesn't take mm. that in, I don't think. 
I, I don't think it does. Even if the computer, because I don't think most chess computers have cameras looking at you no. going, what is this dude? I think they're thinking about chess. Give them a few years. The, and they- the computers are playing chess assuming there's no opponent. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're getting the chess board and going, okay, what, what do I do with the yeah. chess board? They're not going, what did you do last move and how should I, not I- yet. But no, they, but they will. They will. That's the thing. One, soon they'll, they they must be getting fed information like, oh, actually, you're playing this person. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So now I'll go and research the oh, history you're, you're of doing that a person. Modified Maltese defense. Yeah. I need to do a, a, a Ceausescu reverse defense. Or, or what if it's like this though? What if it gets to the point where it's like, oh, who am I playing? Oh my god, I'm playing that guy. You know, I know that that guy is the guy who in the background is connected to the dude who's saying he doesn't like my AI and they're threatening to nuke the data center that I'm hosted in. Do I play to win or do I play to lose? That's a whole different ball game when your AI becomes aware of not just the game at hand, but the context of that person is related to that person and they could shut me down. So like hmm. the um, like the autonomous driving programs that go, well, should I mow down the, the old lady or the in the bus queue <laughs> or the old lady yeah. just crossing the road in front? Tough choice. Both. Just hit the brakes. Both. I guess. Both. Yeah. No, hit, hit the accelerator. <laughs> Speed is always your friend. Mm. But this is a whole level of AI, which I'm sure there are heaps of people in the AI field who are thinking about this and trying to work towards it. But I think a lot of people generally don't. They're like, oh, AI, it's just, mm. it's just a smart computer. Yeah, it is, until you give it more inputs. Mm. And, and then it's like a person. And I don't know if that's better or worse for it well, in the, terms um, of its capability to win. Because, again, a computer that's not concerned about the fact that you might be telling some dude he beats me, should just turn it off at the data centre, might just play to win. But a computer that knows that you might turn me off at the data center might go, I don't want to lose. I don't want to be turned off. I'm going to, you win. <laughs> don't turn me off. Good. We, we ate our money, like a mm. fixed game or something like that. What happens if the AI finds out that the game's rigged? What does it do? Gets uh, angry. Well, no, maybe it just bits <laughs> the other way and says, okay, I'm going to take a dive. Fidel's got a couple of uh, interesting AI uh you know, conceptual or, or application divisions. So one was just looking at how effective is AI? Is it better to build a better model or do I need more data or is it both? And they, they, they came to the conclusion that actually the model can be pretty fucking shonky. You know, an AI driving model might be try not to smash the front of the car into something at more than, you know, 10 kilometres an hour. And, and and they'll just leave it at that. And so the thing will go around town <laughs> bouncing off bollards and <laughs> generally being a bit shit. Uh, and then they're like, but let, just feed it more data, feed it more data. And so they were saying for, for an autonomous driving module, um, it might take in something like three or four petabytes of data, pictures, videos, uh, you know, feedback from, you know, crash sensors and so on. Uh, and then as they're analysing that data to figure out where it's, where it's working and where it's not working, that data set might swell to five or six petabytes. And then the final instruction set for the car is like a, under 100 meg. Mm. It's like a 50th of, of the data that they had before. Yeah. Okay. And in yeah. fact, one of the interesting <laughs> outputs of this was, um, you know, when you go onto a website and it says, prove that you're a human, the capture.com, yeah. like click all the cells yeah. that have got traffic lights on. Uh, they were saying that that's actually... Um, whoever the software provider is, is selling uh, 
the hard part of, of AI is you catch all this data, you get all this video, all these screens, and someone has to say, that's a pedestrian crossing. That's an old lady with a shopping bag. That, this is providing that, that information. Yeah, and they're actually using yeah. humans to, to codify. Because no one wants to sit there and go through no. 12,000 pictures and go, that's a traffic light, that's a traffic light, yeah. that's a chicken, that's a woman with a bag. Although, I've got to admit, it's, um, so it's in a way, it's sort of uh, a satisfying thing to do. Have you ever used the Lime app for the scooters? Mm, not for scooters, but elsewhere yeah so i zoom around town from time to time on a lime scooter mm. there's this feature somewhere buried in there where what you can do is look at the photos that people have taken of when they've parked the scooter to go is there a scooter in this photo or like <laughs> is the whole scooter in the photo and i sat there one day i was like yep nah yep 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 i was like well hey no one's paying me for this what the fuck am i doing this for but it was just one of those repetitive slightly rewarding activities mm. and it was I, I'm happy to do it I, and I've thought about it in the past a few times I'm like I wouldn't mind going to the line map and just spend an hour just like just zone <laughs> out and say yeah that's a scooter Cody. that's a scooter yeah and uh, so that's what they're saying to, to make a really good AI experience a fuckload of data and then someone to sit there to go that's a pig that's a chicken that's a pedestrian yeah. crossing that's a street light etc it's very interesting that with ai models so you build your effectively like your your brain you know that you can pump data at you give data at, and it can kind of give you an output and now you can shift them they're, they're building them wrong to start with because they're like well let's not spend any time making this model good because the data will make the model good so we'll just just chuck anything out it, there if it's able to continue yeah. to learn, yeah, it'll yeah. change itself. It'll grow and, and morph. Mm. But but ones that they've trained on, okay, this is like a dog recognition one. Like we've trained this to recognise dogs. You can then go and say, well, uh, shall we use it as our starting model to recognise shoes? And it'll go, yeah, and pretty, it's pretty good. It's it, a recogniser. It's a recogniser. Doesn't care what it's looking at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the other um, division in Dell that was quite cool was uh, they were a sort of like a practical application of AI. Um, using the minimum resources possible. So this this group, you would say to them, look, I would like to figure out what's the best, um, you know, amount of pig food to give to my pigs, or I wanna, I wanna know how often I should water my sunflowers. Pigs. And so this 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 group, they they prided themselves on having like five year old laptops, so they had like the shittiest technology, and they're like, look, it doesn't matter. You, you come up with an idea, and and we can make it work, even with this really old crappy stuff. So they did did a demo. They're like, well, let's figure out who's hot and who's not using the camera. Uh, on my five-year-old laptop to take a picture of your forehead and, and we can hopefully pick up some colour if you're hot and no colour if you're not hot. And it, and it, it, was, it was pretty damn effective. Yeah. They, 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 she was telling us about one uh, project she'd done and it was trying to figure out how to be more efficient in the use of fertiliser and weed killer on a farm. And so what the farm was doing was they'd send a drone over, over the fields it would take pictures of, you know, high high def pictures of, of all the plants and obviously all the weeds as well and all the blank spots where nothing was growing. And then they were downloading that video footage back up to AWS, doing some AI, which would then tell them what could be done and, and you know, where to put the fertilizer, where to put the weed killer, blah, blah, blah. But the internet speed and the amount of data and whatnot, it would take a, about a week to download that video. The weeds would have changed. The plants would have <laughs> And so they're like, well, fuck it, let's just do it on the fly with our own tin here. And so using this shitty five-year-old laptop, yeah. and they had this 
big sprayer, like 30, mm. arc, 30 meter wide arc sprayer on the back of the tractor, and it could squirt. Um, weed spray or yeah, fertilizer like every half meter and so it just go thistle <laughs> fuck you uh, yeah. you know not very Corn. aggressive plant Poof, give it the fertilizer have you seen those ones that go along and they're just like, like a little they got lasers in them they just drive along over the tomatoes or the mm. strawberries and oh, that's a weed man it's insane it's, it's like the hunter killers out of Terminator for yeah. plants <laughs> and the other cool one was was, was like an advertising uh, AI algorithm um so there was a point, I think it was Chevrolet and Toyota had done a joint venture on a car. You know, like Subaru yeah, did Toyota the BZ, whatever, yeah, and then, and then the Toyota did the... 78 or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And so there was, this, there was this same thing that happened between Chevrolet and Toyota. And Chevrolet hadn't updated the model, but, but Toyota had. And so they set this camera up across a bridge outside an airport and whenever one of these cars showed up, they changed the LED graphic display to, you're driving a you know, Chevrolet oh, yeah. shitbox, you know, the, the new Toyota equivalent is out now. <laughs> and then they took it one stage further, uh, putting cameras in dressing rooms in a, um, in a, in a department store. <laughs> and so people would come in with the, the shit that they wanted to try on because they thought it would suit them. And the the camera using AI would go, oh, that's a forty five to fifty year old woman who's between five foot six and five foot eight. You she's, shouldn't be wearing that. She's dress. pulled in barcodes X Y Z yeah. Z, and then it'd pull up and go. Nine yeah. out of ten women in your demographic who who took this dress home brought yeah. it back a week later. Yeah, 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 yeah. What they didn't bring back was this one of these thing over here. Yeah, yeah, I did some work a couple of years ago for a company, and they were doing exactly that sort of thing. They were setting cameras up at stores. And they're watching people come in and they're watching what they're buying and they're watching what they're looking at and then going back and going, okay, we had a mobile phone stand set up over here and we had some laptops set over there and everyone walks to the laptops. Okay, everyone, put laptops at the front of the store because that's what people are going to buy. Yeah, it's just that information, that group information. Mm. It's funny when you watch stuff, uh, if you watch footage of like a public space, people moving around, if you watch it at real time, you can't tell much. You watch it at three times the speed and you can tell when there are busy periods and quiet mm. periods. It's weird just by changing the frequency like of it. You termites. can see. Yeah. <laughs> it's like breathing. If you were to watch a person's chest and just watch it, you'd probably never really notice when they're breathing. If they're breathing really slowly, but you watch them and sped up. You mm. see them going like this. Like, oh, wow, they're breathing. Yeah. You know, these guys, they're saying technology, they, they'd, um, they were showing how you could use it on traffic flows. So they're like, here's a, here's a live you know, video of one of Sydney's main arterial routes on a Tuesday morning. It's like, boom, ca, ca, ca. and you go, okay, well, let's say we want to looking for a particular vehicle type. Like we know that our perpetrator is in a red ute. So first of all, we go, just red cars, please. And so the same video stream that you're seeing, suddenly all the other cars disappear. And it's just red, 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 red. And then, yeah. and then now you go red ute and it's like only one, you know, every every three or four minutes. Oh, yeah. And they said they, they used this, um, one of the police departments in, I think it was Minneapolis, somewhere in the States. This kid had been abducted from school. Like, uh, a parent came to pick him up. Kid's not there. Somebody else had, had grabbed the kid. And so they they immediately go to the CCTV cameras and they, they say, I'm looking for a three-foot-six child who's got dark jeans and a red jacket. Um what you got? And so yeah. across the whole of Minneapolis, boom, you know. So here they are. Th th there's a kid, and the kid's trotting off from the school in one direction. Okay, show me 
that um, direction, the next surrounding blocks. Sh- no, no, no. Show, show me who's a t- who's next to that kid. So show me the same oh, yeah. subset, but I want to see who's adjacent to him. Yeah. Suddenly there's a six-foot guy in stonewashed jeans and white sneakers and the green top. Like, right, yeah. and But you, uh, he, he had a baseball cap on. You couldn't see his face. So you're like, okay, show me six-foot people with a green top, stonewashed jeans. Anywhere like, in the city. Anywhere, and then the bang. And then, oh, there he is. And so they, they're saying they arrested him yeah. within 20 minutes before and, he even got the kid like, and, out of the area. And now the other thing is, they can fight, if they can say, okay, that's, so that's the guy we're looking for, the guy in mm. the stonewashed jeans and the green top and the cap. Oh, he's changed his cap. It doesn't matter. we got enough footage. we able to analyse his gait. Mm. So now you can go, show me the person around the city with that gait. And so he's, he's completely changed his outfit. It's like, that's the dude there. So they had another one... Um, Someone had come into a petrol station. This is in New Zealand. Had come into a petrol station and he taped duct tape across his license plates, filled his car up, and pissed off without paying. Um, but of course, there's a whole load of other things that are going on when you're in a petrol station. If you've got a mobile phone, <laughs> there's a there's a Wi-Fi connect request. There's yeah. a Bluetooth connect request. It's just pinging all the time, and so. Um, uh, these guys run a security surveillance for, for, for BP and they do it at all of their petrol stations. So they go, okay, well, here I can see the the Bluetooth, you know, um, machine Request code. was made. Yeah. I can see the Wi-Fi um, MAC address as well. Let's see where that pops up again. And so a week later, the guy's in Hamilton. He's filling up. This time he's paying for it. Yeah. Same, same car, Mac address. Same model same car, car, same make, same <laughs> yeah. colour, same yeah. dude. Just go, You can see the number plate. And this time he hasn't got his hat on and he's got his number plate showing. They're like, bingo, gotcha. Yeah, I, there was, I, a couple of years ago, there was um, some guys in the UK and they didn't announce what it was, but this was, this was a few years ago. And they were talking about, um, they were looking for... I guess it was like Islamic terrorist cells is what they're looking for. And they're being interviewed about, well, how do you find this out? And he said, look, I don't know how we find it out, but there are two things. There are two factors from bank information that we can determine, which is like 90% will tell us if the people are in the subset of people we're looking for. And he was really confident about it. And he didn't say what it was. But I'm thinking, is it like on a Friday night, these guys don't buy kebabs or on a Friday night these guys do buy kebabs and therefore no it's that- probably a, a giant cash out out transfer like most people wouldn't take more than 100 or 200 unless they're buying drugs most people wouldn't take more than a few dollars out of the ATM at a time these yeah. guys and, and these guys have got big reserves because that's how they're set up you know someone will transfer ten thousand dollars into their account so they probably go to the ADM and they'll pull out two Maybe. or three thousand dollars because they want all their transactions to be non-traceable so yeah, maybe that. that's it. Something like that. Something, yeah. It'll be something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were saying in general to spot a uh, suicide bomber, there were like seven key traits, and it was things like wearing too much clothing for the time of year, not not maintaining eye contact with anyone, mumbling to themselves. I can't remember what the others were. but Looking those, nervous. Yeah, there's a whole, kind of... a whole bunch of things. That yeah. like, which is good if you're someone trained to look for that. If you're mm. not, you're probably like, oh, that guy's just a bit weird. Mm. But you just read the Jack Reacher novel that tells you what those seven things are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this- oh, the other cool one on the AI front that I was thinking of was um, Air New Zealand. Oh, sorry, it's actually Auckland Airports that in- implemented it. So if you're a pilot trying to get out of Auckland Airport, um, the the thing that you need is one of those shuttle tractors. 
So you're parked at the gate. You can't reverse under your mm. own steam. So Those you, little squat boxy little squat box things that they, they drive around underneath yeah. the front of the plane and, and then they push pull you, you around. Or? Pull you around and then you're ready to go. Yeah. So the pilots know that there's a limited number of these and they don't want to be sitting around waiting. Do they so, fight for them? So they, Well, they kind of fight for them by lying. So they call up air traffic control and go, yep, ready to go. <laughs> and at that time, 75 of the passengers are still in a queue coming down the corridor. They, they've lost Mrs. Jones and her two children. There's eight bags that aren't attached to anybody. And someone's been sick. <laughs> in the, they're hours <laughs> away from leaving. Yeah, and so they're like, yeah, I'm good to go. And so um, what this AI did, they just stuck video cameras in every gate and goes, no. is it still loading bags? Is the fuel bowser still attached to the plane? He's lying. Like there's there's four or the, five the, things. The pilot's go, telling you, no. porky pies. <laughs> and so now what they do is they provide a a, a, tr- a trolley truck based on you know what the cameras say. indicators. Well, yeah. this is like stuff we yeah we used to do with like service desk support. You know, do you do you let the end user Have say you tried rebooting? Yeah, well, or do you, do you let the end user choose the priority of the ticket? Like my pencil's broken. It's a priority one. I need help right now. You know? mm, it's no. a priority one point thirteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can imagine it. I saw something on Twitter the other day or YouTube. Um, it's just an argument between the control tower and the pilot. The pilot's saying, "Yeah, I'm just coming to land now," and the control tower's like. Have you been given clearance? He said, you gave me clearance about 15 minutes ago. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I'm landing. You're not allowed to land. You're not clear to land. I'm landing now. You're not allowed to land. You're really rude. So just fucking land the plane. I hope your mic's not open to the cabin. <laughs> did you hear Ken's story about illegally landing at, I think it was Stansted. It might have even been Heathrow, one of the major London airports. No. So they'd taken off from... Somewhere in the south of England, they'd flown over to France and he'd accidentally bought a Breitling watch that was 10 times the price that he thought it was because he got confused between francs and pounds. <laughs> and they came home drunk and they went to land wherever they were supposed to land, like Farnham or something. And they said, oh, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's too late, you can't land here, you'll have to go to somewhere else. And they're like, oh, that's really inconvenient because... This is like a private plane that organized. Yeah, a little Cessna, a tiny oh, yeah. Cessna. His friend was flying. He owned it. And so then they're like, oh, well, let's let's go land at Stansted because that's really close to where we want to be. And so they're like, hello, Stansted, can we come and land? And they're like, no, you can't. We haven't got any slots. And then so, <laughs> so they're like, what if we just said it was like a Mayday situation? <laughs> <laughs> so like, hello, Stansted, Mayday, 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 our engine's flaking out <laughs> and they're like really and like kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seen better days <laughs> and so they come into land and the fire trucks are out they're spraying <laughs> foam down the runway <laughs> and they come to a stop and uh, uh, everyone's a bit you know with testy scrippy. as yeah. you can imagine and they're like was your engine really flaky? Like, well, it was then. Not, <laughs> not super flaky. I mean, defined flaky. Yeah, it's a lot better now than it was. They said they, got, they had a, quite a stern talking to. <laughs> and I think there might have been a fine. But they're on the ground. <laughs> but they're on the ground where they wanted to be. Sorry. <laughs> naughty Ken. Yeah, naughty Ken. <laughs> I'd like to get Ken on the show. I think it'd be fun to get him on. Get him on for a chat. Well, okay. if, if you can, it'd be difficult. I don't know. Well, he's wanted by a number of international <laughs> <Hitler> crime agencies. <laughs> I don't know if he presented himself publicly. Uh, Shizzy. Um, 
Yeah. What else has been um, headlining on your news feed? I'm very impressed with Liz Truss. 44 <laughs> solid days. Did you see what they were doing? There was, I don't know, Sky or someone on News of London was running a, they had a, um, a head of lettuce sitting on a chair and Liz Truss and going, who will last longer? <laughs> <laughs> and I think the lettuce won. <gasps> I think it's all a, a scheme by Boris to come back. Yeah, he's like, let's let's show him what the what the alternative is. The, but the British public must be going, what the hell is going on? We got rid of Boris, and now he could come back because we couldn't find anyone better. Well, he only, he was only kicked out basically because he ignored all the rules. Damn. They weren't saying they were unhappy with his performance in general. Whereas Liz Truss was like, I've got a barking idea. Oh, actually, I haven't got an idea. I'm just following somebody else's idea. That's what I do. Yeah. You want lettuce? I've got lettuce. You want cheese? I've got cheese. You want up? I've got up. You want down? I've got down. What do you want? It's. I can't imagine what it would be like, that, imagine, that amount of public scrutiny. And you know that whatever you say, 50% of the people are going to hate, you know, even if it's a great idea. It's like... You know, the whole economy is going to die unless I push that button. I'm going to push that uh, button. He's going to push that button. This is going to be terrible for the economy. It's like, I mean, no, you're fucking wrong. It's going to work. Here's a suggestion. You're a brand new prime minister. You're not really sure what's the right idea to do, but you're going to have to say something publicly within the next day or two. Why don't you canvass the opinion of your party? Well, yeah. Rather than sitting in a dark room and going, massive tax cuts and huge public spending reduction is the way forward. Or even not your, your, your party, but your, 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 your voters. Just actually go out to them openly and say, look, call me on this number, send me a DM. What do you guys want on this topic? You would get a trillion DMs. Well, the, you wouldn't answer them, but you get so much positive press because they'd be like, she actually the, asked. The grief she got wasn't from the public. It was from the party. So clearly she didn't ask the party, is this a good idea, what I'm planning on doing? But she just the, went ahead and did it and then went, oh, oh sorry. Um, yeah, I just think if she had, if she had got the public on side... <clears throat> You would have got through a party battle. Well, she wasn't. She was never going to get the public on side because she killed the queen. Well, true, that's true. Last person, as as to Phil see. let us know. Tw- <laughs> Luckily, Phil he, he's so connected to Twitter and Elon, he gets this these updates. <laughs> it's not okay to kill the queen. I saw today something about that it was Liz Truss. Like she gets in, the, the queen dies, the economy falls over, the dollar goes to bits. And I was thinking of Phil. I was like, he fucking knows. He, he knows didn't know. He set it up. Yeah, well, he probably did. That's why he blamed Liz for it. Crayons. Crayons. You get enough Americans together, they like crayons. <laughs> it's like Red Dawn. <laughs> we'll get Philly, we'll get you and Eddie on. It'll be good, It'll be good fun. We'll have a laugh. I've still got you focused. I've still got some problem with this camera over here. The guest camera tends to get itself out of focus. You look a lot like um cross between Jimmy, uh, Ernest, ba- Jimmy Barnes. And Ernest Hemingway. And um, who is the guy? I've just forgotten. Jocko Wilnick? I'd die to be with you tonight. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Who's Jocko Wilnick? Um, he's like a, I think he's like an ex-Navy SEAL type of guy. who He's got a podcast now. American dude, I'm guessing. Um, if he's ex-Navy SEAL, it's likely. 
Yeah. They have, uh, he may they have a tendency not to recruit from he, outside of their borders. He may not be a Navy SEAL. He could be a Ranger or something. Is this entire story just uh, made up? No, this is a real story. He's a real guy. <laughs> and people will you just don't know at, who he is. Look, apart from the fact that on this camera you tend to look more like Jimmy Barnes than Jocko Wilnick, but when I'm looking at you, you look like Jocko to some extent. Hmm. With my beard, I think I look more Ernest Hemingway, so I should probably get the beard back. Well, if that's the look you're going for, well, get the, who wouldn't? The beard back. You know, I I don't know the beards. They had a uh, they had a uh, they had a decade. Mm. They had a decade. They seem to have sort of lost things since then. Pardon. Hi. Oh, are you? If you're going to go to bed, would you mind just making us a drink? Okay. We can pause and go and make a drink. We'll have to come back for part two. Mm. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> Which is good because it gives me the chance just to check that that recorder has I had hoped.